the funny thing is, I didn't know there was a name for it. And then I talked with Marty and a light bulb went on and I was like, of course, that's what it is. And then that's how we get past it. Inquiring minds want to know, how are entrepreneurs like us daring bravely to build a stage, ditch the sweatpants, and step up to the mic? How do we create our own transformative events so we can get our message out into the world in a bigger way that's not only profitable, but it's actually something we can be proud of? That's the question, and the answers are inside this podcast. My name is Sarah Faefer. Welcome to Green Room Central. Hey, it's Sarah. I have an invitation for you right now. You can join entrepreneurs from across the globe who share a passion for hosting their own events. Become part of the community that inspires and cheers you on over at greenroomcentral.com. Today, I brought into Green Room Central Studios Marty Dickinson, president of Here Next Year from Denver, Colorado. Over the past 25 years, Marty has built three businesses through speaking. Today, his focus is on providing live events for new and emerging speakers to gain experience presenting on a professional level. He hosts free weekly events called Speaker Speak Live and paid events called Speaker Theater, which give speakers guidance to develop their signature speeches and present them to a live audience so they can receive feedback and testimonials. Hey there, Marty. Welcome to Green Room Central. Well, thanks for having me, Sarah. I want to dive right in and I just have to know what is this heart attack curve and why is it so important to know? The heart attack curve for every event organizer is that period of time where you're not sure if anybody's going to show up. And then when you get close to the date, if you think you should cancel, there's that period in between where you're wondering, can I get out of this if nobody else signs up other than three people? That's the heart attack curve. Oh my goodness. So true. And has that ever happened to you? <laughs> it happens every time. It happens every time to everybody. Now, as you get more experienced with promoting events and organizing them, putting them all together, you, you, that, that curve might get shorter in time, but it is still there. Oh my gosh. You know, it's what you just said there. Uh, I think you articulated perfectly what most every event host struggles with, whether they're, they've been in this for years and they have thousands of people coming or they're just getting started and they're hoping to get 12. It's, it's that filling the room. Uh, and have you come up with a secret on, on how to fill yours? Well, the secret is to live your event 24 seven and just be telling everybody about it and then watching your numbers and knowing what your I mean, most people sign up for events within the last couple of days before the event. Even for conferences, you have people signing up for, for a day in advance, even walk-ins if there's still room available, if they're still taking reservations. So over time, you start getting a feel for the flow of how your audience signs up for your events. So that lessens the heart attack curve a little bit. But you know, now we have a whole new thing to worry about, and that is the virtual aspect. Because it used to be that when you had an in-person event, and of course this is still true for in-person events, but if you're renting out a room, you're paying up front for it, 
you have a deposit that you put in and you might be able to get that back or they might be able to cancel it or there might be a penalty for getting out of the deal 24 hours, 48 hours in advance. So that heart attack curve is a little bit more extended, but with virtual, I think a lot of event organizers have gotten into the habit of making decisions early. Oh, we don't have enough people signing up for this, so we'll just cancel. And that's a very dangerous path to tread because you gain a reputation for either having events or not having an event. So if you if you run, if you get a this reputation for setting up an event, starting the attraction, starting all the, the marketing for it, and then suddenly a week later goes by and so you say, oh, we've canceled. Well, now anybody that you are connected with in social media or your list, people that you would normally promote your events to, the more you do that, the more they're going to question whether you're really going to have this event or not. So they will wait until the very last minute to make sure that you're actually having the event. And then you'll get emails like, so how many people do you have showing up for this event? <laughs> and you know, that's a question you never want to answer because it's never the right answer. If you have two people showing up, that's not enough. If you have 20 showing up, that is potentially not enough for a lot of people. If you have 200 or 2000, that might mean they're not going to get personal attention at your event. So that's too many. I won't attend that event. But that's the kind of question that you get from people that become skeptical if you're going to cancel the event or not. So gain a reputation for following through in the event, and that'll help your heart attack curve get shorter and more long-term you'll have success over time. <laughs> but Marty, what I'm hearing is that you're feeding the beast by canceling prematurely, right? Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. Because then people are starting to question you and your intentions and if they should commit and, you know, cl clear their schedule to be there live with yeah. you. Yeah. And it gets in your own head too, because you start looking for opportunities for why you should cancel your event instead of focusing on why you really, really need to have this event why you're going to be able to change lives because you're able to have that event, even if there are only two people there. I mean, you never know who's gonna be in that audience. So, uh, you know, unless you, you really have some financial issue that you have to maintain, I always say, go forward with the event. You just never know what's going to happen. Mm, I love that advice, Marty. I absolutely love that. Uh, so I'm sensing that you have uh, a certain sense of like optimism about your ability to deliver and put on events. And, and I'm curious, what, what made you start think, think, thinking that you might be capable of someday hosting an event? Well, I, <laughs> I have a couple of, I, I call them pivotal moments that mm -hmm. gave me that idea. The, the very first one was goodness, 20 plus years ago when I got asked to staff the product table for Brian Tracy's event. If you don't know who Brian Tracy is, he's one of the, one of the most well-known sales trainers in the world. 
And when he came to Denver, he had, he took out a, a huge hotel, 2000 people for the room. And they wound up having to bring in more chairs so they could get the overflow of 2,500 people in this room. So every time he came to Denver, he would get a team together. And I became the pinpoint for this team for a few years. And the first time we, I got 15 volunteers to help me at the product table because he that's how he makes money. He sells product, right? So we were at the product table and all of a sudden when, when he was on, he, he just got done with his first, oh, I'd say maybe 30 minutes of presentation and he wanted to give everybody a break. But what he was really doing is let's see how much I can sell in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> so he made his little pitch and I couldn't believe it. Within 10 minutes, 10 minutes, we cleared almost a quarter of a million dollars in product sales at that table. And that just put a light bulb off in my head. And I thought, I have got to figure out how to put this all together and maybe eventually someday just get to that kind of level. <laughs> and, and I got my chance because that was story number two, which is where I got asked to be on the marketing team for a national conference called the Capital Factor. And it worked out so well in six months that we had another one six months later. But that was our planning period. And our promotional period was six months for both of those conferences. And I got to see from the inside how you need to develop a team. We had 12 people on this team and we met every week. We had a big conference room and we would, when we started talking about what speakers we would bring in, everybody went out and got a bunch of one sheets from their websites and we piled them all into the middle of the table. I mean, you know, this is what event planners do, right? You, you, you work with a team and you assemble everybody that's involved. And we had to have the IT people so that we could record. We, we had to have all these pieces in place scheduling and i just thought wow this is uh, it, it it's really fun <laughs> it's exhausting it's some of the hardest work you'd ever do if you've never been part of a major conference before but it was really a blast and i got a lot of business out of it it was at a perfect time in my business where i was trying to prove myself in the internet marketing world and it worked out really well and i got a lot of clients out of it and met so many people so that that just sort of thrusted me into the idea that someday i'm going to be putting on my own events oh those are really good stories <laughs> back to that brian tracy D did i hear right that after 30 minutes of of the conference they did a a break or was it a 30 minute break no, it, well, I, I guess the break was probably about 15 or 20 minutes. So I remember the first one, he said, it's going to be very quick. And he had these shopping bags full of the package deal, the whole enchilada, because he had books and CDs and all this stuff for sale. And then he said, now I have, I, I'm trying to remember the number. It's a long time ago. I think he said he had like 25 bags of everything. And I'm going to give you like 15 minutes to go back there. And I want all those bags gone. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I mean, two thirds of the product table was empty after the, after just the first break that he had and people were just charging back to, to the, to that table. And there was, I mean, we had, we had seven or eight people taking orders. So there were lines of people waiting to buy at this table. It was just incredible. I mean, when you see, when you see something like that, you realize that there's a whole different playing level to events out there. And that's something that any business owner would want to be a part of for sure. 
Yeah, I remember vividly the first event that I went to where there was an offer made and and a, a table rush, if you will. And I sat there in awe uh, and of and my mind was just spinning with what's possible. And uh, so darn impressed by the model because uh, the room I was in, it was done probably much like Brian Tracy, where it was done with such integrity and with such finesse that uh, you wanted to be a part of the table rush, you know? Um, and, and it didn't seem like selling at all. I mean, these are just resources he was providing and people storm the table. So many people are so concerned about selling. And I, you know, I think of it a lot differently than most people. I, I feel like if a speaker gets on stage and they do not offer their audience a next step, they're really shortchanging the audience. They're saying, I've got something special here. I'm going to give you a piece of it, but that's it. I'm done. See you later. Have me back next year. <laughs> and it, it's, it's really shortchanging your audience by doing that. So I, I always like to look for how it might not be selling, you know, quarter of a million dollars <laughs> or, or even a book or even a CD set or some kind of digital thing that doesn't need to be the only way to get people to take a next step with you. There's always a next step for people to make just simple contact with you or join a Facebook group. You know, I've got my Facebook group right up here, speakerspeakgroup.com right in this window. And I have that in every presentation I do because I want people to have a resource to go connect with me in a non-threatening way. We're just a bunch of speakers in this Facebook group that are hanging out with each other. And it's real, you know, real low key, but at least it gives everybody a, a next step to go. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Marty. Uh, I, I agree with you. I get on a soapbox every time uh, I hear someone shy away from wanting to make an offer at an event because you're there, you're, you're teaching them something uh, or creating some sort of experience for them. And there will be, it's just simple math, a percentage of your audience who is ready and willing to take the next step after you finish the event. And they'd like it to be with you because they don't want to have to go through the work of figuring out who, like where they're supposed to get the next step from or who it's supposed to be from. They'd like it to be from you. And you really are, like you said, doing them a disservice if you don't share what the next step is and how they can get it from you. Yeah. And, and people today, I mean, with so many problems in the world, people are starving for real solutions from real people. So if you can provide that, then you are in the same pool as I play in where we believe that right now is the best time in history to be in the speaking business and also the events business. The, the look of it has changed a little bit, <laughs> but the beauty of it is that even just more than ever, people have a lot of problems to consider and a lot of challenges and it's up to us. I mean, you know, we're, we are the people that deliver content from one to many, whether you're only the organizer or if you are a speaker too, it's the same thing. You are being responsible for providing content that truly can transform a person's thinking that is in that audience. And if, if we don't exist to do that, who else will? 
It, that's why the speaking industry is going so strongly right now and the events industry. You know, I mean, you know, like I said, with the capital factor, we plan those events for six months. And now because things are opening up in certain places and people are a little more comfortable with COVID out there and everything, and they're figuring out how to, how to attend live in-person events again, organizers are trying to get butts in the seats within like two weeks. I mean, they're setting up these events and it's like, let's go, let's have a special, let's get everybody here. <laughs> but they're simply desperate to get people in in-person rooms again, which is wonderful to see. That's such a welcome sight. And at the same time, they need a lot of people. They need a lot of speakers to facilitate all this, to bring it all together. And that's why right now, I mean, if you if you are an event organizer or you are a speaker already, if you're if you're a business owner and you're even thinking of using speaking in any way to build your business, this is the best time to really dig in and practice presenting, get into a situation where you're practicing speaking every week on virtual live, in person, you find those resources. There are some out there, especially Toastmasters International. If you've never gotten on stage before, if you have a real severe confidence problem with speaking, join Toastmasters. I know people that are members of two, three, four, five Toastmasters clubs because they want to be speaking, speaking literally every day of the week. And the more you do, the better you get. So they're like on a crash course to get really good at speaking really quickly. <laughs> so, so there are techniques to do that. They're putting in the reps. Absolutely, they're putting in the reps. Uh, is that why you say today is the best time in history to host events? Well, yeah, because so many people are needing guidance. They need new ideas. You know, they don't need stories from 30 years ago. They need what's happening now. What, what have you done in the last two years since the COVID shutdown to be alive to not just physically, but to be energetic and thinking positively toward the future. What are you doing to, to, uh, to paint that picture in a positive light for yourself, for your family, for people that you work with, for your own clients? That's what people need to hear. And those kind of topics are in huge demand right now. Uh, I couldn't agree more that that piece you said about time specific advice, because we all went through just something humongous over the last two years. And, and so we want the up to date here and now advice. Uh, so good. Uh, so I'm curious, what do you find the most rewarding about conducting live events? The, the thing that makes it all worthwhile for you? the money, the fame. No, no, no. <laughs> you can't think like that. I mean, it, it might happen someday, but really it's, it's the, it's the people you meet, the relationships that you build. I still have relationships with people from the very first workshop that I gave. Goodness. when was that? 2004 <laughs> or no, 2003. I had to, had to think way back. And I still hang out with those people today. When I have an event, I tell them about it and they show up. I mean, you know, these relationships that you build over time, they, they stick. They really do. You attend their events, they attend your events. And most importantly, they will refer other people to your events. Those relationships that you build over time are gold. And that is the most important thing you would ever get from conducting any type of event.
Yeah. Really valuable advice to, to, to really see the humanity of, of this, the, and the serendipity of the room that you've gathered and see the value in each and every, uh, person that's in that room in every single chair virtually or, <laughs> or in, uh, in real life. Yeah. Uh, tell me what's, what's the biggest mental challenge that you've had to overcome conducting a live event that something that you just, you can't get or understand until you get there. Well, I would say that you need to understand that people have lives. You might have a hundred people signed up for your event and only 20 people show up. Matter of fact, that's really pretty much the standard now. And you can really take that personally and say, oh, I just had a whole bunch of fake people, you know, fake people sign up. You can, you can take it personally again and say, they, they, they really stabbed me in the back, that kind of thing. You know, the, oh, those terrible people, why would they ever sign up and make me think that I'm going to have all these people and now I don't. And I've been there. I, I say that from experience. I've felt that. Absolutely. I mean, everybody's going to have a dog eventually. You're, you're going to have an event and for whatever reason, it just tanks and you have no idea why you can't take that kind of thing personally you have to know that people have things happen especially in the unpredictable times that we have now one of the one of the struggles that event event organizers event planners are having right now is that they are planning in in-person events and then at the last day because they are holding the event as a hybrid event, meaning they have the virtual live component and the live in-person component, suddenly audience members, and I don't mean a small percentage like one or two people, but a large percentage of people are at the last minute saying, well, I know you have this, this on virtual too, so I canceled my hotel and I'm just going to stay home and watch this from, from a virtual sense. And, and that that is, it's not only mentally damaging to an event organizer to have a third of your people all of a sudden cancel on the, the live, but they're going to be on virtual live. And now you have this giant room with 15 people in it. It, it, it really gets to your, to your mental capabilities. And, and that's why not everybody can do this kind of work because you, you have to experience that and survive it and still want to do more because you're going to have those events that you think are going to be just standard or average and they just crush and you, you have no idea why that happened either was it the speaker that that i brought in that was really attractive to people or what happened was it the time of the week was it because there wasn't a a football game this weekend or whatever it is what <laughs> is it and you try to figure it out and sometimes it just doesn't make any sense but you know that's that's really what what will get you through is just to realize that it's really it's not as much about you as you think so try not to take it personally and move on Hey, I don't want you to miss out. Did you know that this conversation always continues inside the Lynchpin Nation community? It's a free modern discussion forum exclusively for Green Room Central listeners that will have a profound impact on the way you look at events in your business. 
get answers to your biggest questions, hear behind the scenes nuggets from event leaders, and get access to helpful templates, guides, and checklists as you start and scale events in your business. Be part of the daily discussion with entrepreneurs just like you. You can join for free over at greenroomcentral.com. I'll see you inside. Yeah, you have to I love that you said you have to want it. You have to want, you have to love it and want to keep moving forward and keep serving and keep impacting lives and serve hard the ones that are there and in the room. Uh, th- there's one thing that you, you've talked about hybrid in there that kind of is like a little bee in my bonnet these days. Like I'm, I'm a little bit um, uh, anti-hybrid for definitely for the reason that you, sh- you shared uh, serving two masters at once is uh, not ideal, nor easy, uh, nor cheap to do. Uh, and, and then the point you brought up about people change, it allows the opportunity for people to change their minds at the last minute, which just adds to the, 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 the anxiety and the kind of like the margin for error you have to manage too. So, uh, I think it's a tricky spot hybrid, and I'm, I'm interested in keeping an eye on the market to see where things shake out. I definitely don't see virtual ever going away. It's now, it's always going to be a, you know, it's, it's, it's got its place now and, uh, I love it for that, but I, you know, in person, we all crave it. We, we all want them back with a, um, passionately and excited to be in rooms, but I'm not sure yet. The jury's still out for me on hybrid. <laughs> yeah, well, the challenge too, and, and speakers are seeing this all over the place is that the events that are being held hybrid and everybody wants to have hybrid events until they decide to have their first one and and they realize you have to have more than a laptop and a you know cam on the top of the the laptop to pull off a good job of having a, a true hybrid event it requires an IT staff it requires um, direct pipes to the internet it requires bandwidth and you know, I mean lots of technology and they're not ready for that. They, they, they're not ready to, to even plan for that. And a lot of event organizers are, they really lack in technical knowledge to even communicate with IT staff about this kind of thing. And the IT staff are sometimes not even well-versed in how to have multiple microphones in place and stream live to some type of of uh, you know lots of carriers other than zoom so so the the of those challenges too in presenting and make sure making sure that all those components are in place and they work because when you go live on minute one you really don't want to have 200 people in the room and 2000 in the virtual room and say well we're going to need about 20 more minutes to get this all working right because something is just not functioning properly well yeah that's because you don't know what you're doing <laughs> and, and and it takes a long time to it takes many many attempts at putting all that together to have a real good virtual event so, uh, so I would suggest to anyone considering having a virtual event is to start attending virtual event or hybrid events so that you can see what the technology is that they're using and talk to the IT teams. A lot of times with these bigger hotels, I heard uh, they, when they had National Speakers Association, the national convention in Las Vegas, they had, they had to use the IT staff of the hotel. 
It was by union rules that they could not bring in their own people to run the entire virtual component of their national conference. What do you do then? They are completely at the mercy of the IT staff and they had never had an event like this. So there were problems. So you need to be prepared for all of that that's coming and invest in yourself to learn at a higher level than we've ever had to know before about technology that you might've been avoiding <laughs> or at least align with someone who understands that technology and, and, and has a lot of experience and can just take it away from you so you can focus on promoting and conducting the event. And Marty, that, I, that last line is uh, the gold for me. And, and I teach it inside of Live Event Academy is that you really need to align yourself with vendor partners that you know, love and trust. And so that you can hand, hand pieces over and know that you have peace of mind. And you bring up a great point that uh, now we're not only dealing with finding a vendor partner that is experienced in that virtual component or the hybrid component or the the live component or whatever combination you're choosing to do but but also being really savvy when you're choosing your venue uh because you you want to go in eyes wide open about do they require that i use their their in-house uh av team or can i bring in my own and i've also been hearing that hotels are starting to retrofit their entire internet operation. So the, the, the pipe to the internet, everything involving connection speed, because I mean, what happens when you have 300 people in the room and they're all on their phones taking notes and all of a sudden the allotted, the allowance of internet bandwidth just goes down to you know, nothing for the, for the people who are primarily trying to do the recording and streaming and everything else. So that becomes a challenge as well. So you really want to ask the question of the hotel. When was the last time you had somebody look at your internet connection and make sure that it's all up to date and modernized for this hybrid situation that we have? Because this, it, hybrid is not going away. It, it's not. It's not going to go away for a long time. It might just be here forever. There will be always in-person events that do not have a hybrid setup. And you know, then anybody that would like to be attending virtually, they'll just be at a loss. They'll, they'll have to go to the in-person event or that's it. But those are the minority. People are really trying to have as many established events as they can in this hybrid fashion, which is great for IT teams that figure it out and have, have a, just a turnkey solution to walk in there and, oh yeah, we've got you know 10 minutes, we're set up, we're ready to go. We do this six times a week, let's go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's great if you can find that kind of alliance to work with, but you know, most event organizers are not at that point yet. And there's a lot of growth in that area. Yeah, and I do, I love the accessibility uh, of hybrid events because there are a subsection of, of our communities that just cannot travel for whatever reason and they can't make it into the ballroom or wherever you're hosting the event. And, and so I love the accessibility of them, but uh, from a host standpoint, it is very challenging. You need to go in eyes wide open. Uh, but let's, so we just talked about a lot of challenges that have to do with, um, you know, the, the brave new world we're all dealing with here with virtual and hybrid, but 
kind of aside from that, what is the biggest kind of functional challenge that you, you feel like you have to overcome before event day? Oh boy. I hope we're talking about enough good stuff because there, there, there are so many, so many benefits and rewards from holding events, especially right now, that it, it really is rewarding. I, I don't want that to get past people because what I'm about to say <laughs> really, really adds to the challenge of conducting an event, and that is the admin side. And when I say admin, that is a big hole that you can get into that that could be anything from uh, the CRM that you use, the email system that you use, the method you use to have people register, what happens to that registration information, how and when do you let people on, on your virtual live if you're doing a virtual event, how do you vet them to make sure that you don't get Zoom bombers coming in? There are so many administrative tasks that have to happen now. And a lot of those we didn't have to worry about even more than two years ago. So, so there, there are definitely the, the challenges that exist. Um, and, and the other one is, is, uh, is reminders. People need to be reminded all the time. When you had me set up to interview for this podcast, you've sent four reminders to me in the past week. That's great. That's exactly what people need to be doing. I see so many events that I sign up for that I sign up and I never hear from the person again. If, if that email with the, with the Zoom login or the directions or your ticket that I'm getting, whatever it is, if that comes to me immediately and, I, and it just gets buried in my email, after three weeks, <laughs> I might not ever be able to find it again. So there needs to be some mechanism and that's where we run into problems because third-party email deliver email systems have really deteriorated. Well, I don't know if I should say deteriorated. I just think it's a lot more of a challenge for third-party email providers to get through. The number one best way to get an email through to anybody is to start is to log into your Gmail account and send an email to their Gmail account <laughs> one to one. And that is really the only most guaranteed way that you can get an email to anybody today because there's so many filters with email servers on the other end deciding if your email is even worth delivering or not. So you you just don't know. I mean there's all kinds of tracking tools I and mean, you know I've um, you know, I've worked with a lot of email systems that have really good tracking for how many people open an email that is sent but it, there's still this this question in in my mind about are all those emails actually getting delivered? And it's just getting more and more difficult to make that happen. So what's the answer? It's going to become texting. I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> yes. So if, if you're a, an event organizer who has been out of the game for a couple of years and used to rely solely on email, well, those days are dwindling because you're going to have more trouble getting emails through and less people are looking at emails. So the migration is going to become more toward texting. So you're accumulating people's cell phone numbers, getting their permission to send them alerts and reminders on their phones instead of or in addition to email. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's uh, 
so uh, reliable. Uh, the open rate is extremely high and uh, people are comfortable with it. So, uh, and I think it's excellent for time sensitive things like live events. Yeah. I have to, <laughs> to go back a little bit and tell you a funny story. So you, you know, you're like, we got a vet zoom, uh, bombers. So I was on this virtual event, uh, a few weeks ago and I have never heard an event host say this. And, and the, the host said, okay, so, um, here's the deal. Uh, I'm wearing clothes. So I expect that you do too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they said, you know, cause we've had so a lot of scenarios, uh, over the past year where we've had, uh, people streaking through their events. And I just broke wow. out laughing. I, I didn't know that we were at the place where that might, might be the case, but, and, uh, so that was one of the announcements they were making at the beginning. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> it made me chuckle. It's hilarious, but it scares the heck out of me too, because you know, who, who does that come back to the event organizer? I mean, you, 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 you bring in somebody to present and, and they're ready to go and they're all prepared and what greater way to throw them off your speaker than to have someone do something malicious like that. Yeah. So but another, you know, another um, cool on a more positive note, uh, I was listening to uh, auctions uh, being done virtually over the past year. And, you know, typically an auctioneer would go into a live setting, a live auction where they would be at the podium with the mic, and then they would have people from their organization in the audience kind of checking out the room, like seeing who's wearing the good shoes, like making sure they know who's, you know, perhaps interested in, in something. And, uh, they said that that's something that they, they've had to, to do and continue in the virtual setting, but even kind of like perhaps take it up a notch and have uh, a higher staffing for that. But, uh, it, it can be used in this scenario too, if you're concerned about, you know, who's in there and what they're doing on their videos, uh, you can have uh, assistance, you know, in your your Zoom, uh, not only monitoring the chat, but monitoring the videos and just keeping an eye on making sure everything is, you know, on the up and up. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. You you have to have at least that person, if not a team, depending on how many people are there. I, I've started to I use Eventbrite for a lot of our event registrations and I'm having events every week now. So so we we use Eventbrite a lot and um, and one of the they have a little field that you can add a custom field. So the the uh, the custom field that we've added is for a URL to either their LinkedIn profile or their Facebook profile, one of the two, or if you're only on Twitter, you know, I mean, if you're on, if you're on one social media, you're usually on a couple of them. So we give a, a choice, but I really want people to use their LinkedIn profile if at all possible. And my market is mostly speakers or people that are business owners that want to use speaking to build their business. So they 
almost always have a LinkedIn profile. And if they don't, and if they can't figure out how to copy and paste a URL, then they're really not part of my market. They need to have at least a you know, conceptual knowledge of the internet and how it works with things like LinkedIn and, and, and social media and URLs. And that is a qualifier for me. If they leave it blank or if they put in something else, uh, I, depending on the name itself, I might recognize the name and I might go search the person down on my own. But if I don't recognize it and I'm skeptical about the name, I don't send that person the Zoom ID. I make the instructions very clear. You know, if you can't follow directions, it, it's a privilege to be in, in my event. And that's how we should all look at our events today is that our audience should, you know, we, we are honored to have them in our audience. It's not that one-sided, but we are offering them an opportunity to become part of our exclusive club. Not everybody in the world is in this room wherever we are. So you take some pride in those signups and, and, um, qualify people. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. It, it's a, it's a, a, a an edge, it's a step toward qualifying your audience and bringing in the people that you want to be there. Yeah, oh, so good. So good. Uh, what's the most important suggestion you have for someone who's thinking about starting hosting their own events? That the most important thing is how people are going to walk out of the room. That's you know, every once in a while, it doesn't happen often, but every once in a while, I'll get an email from somebody that attended an event that I had six months ago. And they've had time to implement some of the things that they learned in the event, whether it was me presenting or somebody else that I brought in. And to get the email that says, that they actually, it took them a while. They, they didn't do anything at first, but they actually started working through the steps and magic started to happen. You know, those, are the, those are the precious emails that people will send long after the event. And you see this, this dog up here, that's my mascot. That, that my mascot is action. He was on my very first book cover, winning the internet dog fight. And I take action everywhere. You little play on words, right? <laughs> because action comes with me at every event. And I get people that will send messages to me or they'll call me on the phone. They'll say, I attended one of your events a long time ago and I can't remember what you do or what you talked about, but you're the guy with the dog, right? So, <laughs> so when people remember the event that you were in for whatever reason and they make contact with you, that's what you want to focus on, that you have the opportunity to truly transform people with whatever theme it is that your event is conducting. And that gets you through. You're going to have peaks and troughs in this event business, and everybody does. There's not a single person I know that just rose to the top in their first event, and they've just stayed there forever. I mean, it, it, it's a, a going through the wickets process, and it's that transformation that you know is out there that people are going to have that will get you through those peaks and troughs. Mm, so good. So good, Marty. I want to move into a little bit of a, a rapid fire section as we're okay. wrapping up here. <laughs> um, first question, have you ever seen or heard or learned something in the green room at one of the events that you've either hosted or spoken at that just really stuck with you? 
Oh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, and I would say multiple times about fear in the green room. You mean the green room before backstage. the event happens, you're backstage. Yes. Oh yeah. You would be amazed how many seasoned, really established presenters and MCs are really nervous before the curtain opens, before they take the stage. And whenever I see, whenever I kind of, you know, hear that off to the side, there's always somebody that comes around and says, hey, you know, you're nervous. Yeah, you're supposed to be. <laughs> you're about to get in front of a live audience. And the best line I've ever heard about fear is that, is to welcome fear. To welcome fear because it's fear that's going to make you do your best job for that audience. I even heard somebody say, the minute I am not nervous to get in front of a crowd is the day that I stop doing any of this because I will never I'm trying to remember exactly how you put it. I will never um, do my best job for the audience if I don't have a little bit of that nervousness in me. So that just completely changed my idea of being nervous and fear. Now, if I'm not in, if I'm not nervous in, in front of a group or even on a podcast like this, I'll think of some nightmare scenario from years ago, like when my laptop crashed 10 minutes before my, <laughs> before my, my four hour workshop was to begin. And I, you know, I, I had no, no computer to use <laughs> for four hours. I mean, that'll make anybody nervous and, and that works every time. And then all, all of a sudden I'm, I'm alert, I'm focused and I'm doing my best job for the audience. You make yourself nervous. <laughs> You're your own hype squad. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, what is, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, um, but if you could sum it up into one secret, you know, the, the biggest stressor for event, the host really is mindset. Uh, so what's your secret to managing your mindset long-term? Mm, managing mindset. I, I think I would, I would have to, oh, I know one that we haven't talked about yet. How's this? Have you ever been to see a, an orchestra or yes. a band? Well, they're performers, right? It's an event. They're on stage. Yes. Every single musician I've ever talked to, and you see the guitar in the, in the side here, that was actually my, the first website I ever launched was a musician-related website. So I have known a lot of musicians and bands and performers, and every one of them will tell you about the performance that they screwed up. They were halfway through a song and they forgot what was supposed to come next and they just made something up and they were they come off stage and they're so upset. Did the crowd ever know? No, the crowd never knew. They're just cheering and having a good time. That's the same thing we need to keep in mind that you are going to have mistakes. There are going to be things that you don't say right as you're getting, if you're hosting the event, going out there as MC, you know, there are things you are not going to say right in your introductions and in how the event is run. There's all kinds of little things that the audience never needs to know about. So when you make a mistake, just keep going because chances are nobody's going to catch that. They're going to be thinking overall, what was the experience? of that event. And that is the important part. Oh yeah. Keep going. Couldn't agree more. What's your best tip for filling events? Oh, definitely joint ventures, relationships. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's really difficult to convince any single person that you have never met to go to any event right now. 
I mean, people have Zoom fatigue. They're tired. You know, I, I try to bring some kind of <laughs> something into every virtual live that I, I, I work with because people are just so tired of Zoom. And that's the way they think of it. When you promote a, 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 an event that's going to be on Zoom, they think another one. Oh, my gosh. So but but to have someone else say, hey, I know there are a thousand Zoom events out there right now, but this guy, you got to go to this. Just plow the road, no matter what you do, fix your whole week so that you can go to this one event and it's going to be a life changer for you. I guarantee it because I know this person. I've been to this to this show before and this is an important one to see. Mm. That's what you need to have. You need to have other people talking about your events. So good. Do you have a favorite moment at an event that you've hosted? Oh, every time. The beginning. Is it the beginning? <laughs> the beginning. Yeah. When when you finally, okay, everybody ready? Are you really ready? IT guys, are you really ready? No, no. You tell me the truth. If you need another couple of minutes, okay, everybody's ready. <sighs> now we can all relax and just have the event because everything is in place. That's the best feeling there is. I guess maybe getting together afterwards and talking about how great the event went. That, that's that's a, a close second, but finally getting to that point where it's happening and you can do what you do best and lead the show. That's the, that's the best part for me. Oh, Marty, I couldn't agree more. That's my favorite moment too. Well, yeah, it just, when everyone's ready and we go, uh, what's one of the best things that's come from hosting an event for you? Well, I already said relationships. I already said the, the email, the occasional email that you get later. How about, to add to that, how about a, a purpose, a reason, a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to keep your energy high? Uh, I've been working with, in the past week and a half, four events that I've been organizing. I have two more over the next three more, I'm losing count over the next two weeks alone. And then we get to Christmas season. I'm taking two weeks off, no events. And we start up again in January. So this time is craziness for me. There's you know little sleep, there's little eating, <laughs> even though we're in, we're in the holiday season here. I mean, you know, two meals a day, maybe, but the, it's the excitement of the events that is something to look forward to. And again, just thinking of all those people that are, and I'm not even a speaker at any of these. I'm just putting them together. And the star of the show are the speakers that we're having at the events. So I'm just making it happen. But there, there's a, a huge um, feeling of importance and contribution that you're making when you are the one that is the backbone of these events. If, if you are not there, these events would not happen. And people that should be in the audience would not receive that message that you're getting to them. That is, that's really a, an important driver. Yeah, a true sense of significance right there. Yeah, making you know, that you matter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, last question. What are you, what are you reading right now? Oh, <laughs> well, you wouldn't be expecting this one probably, but now that I think about it, I mean, it does have some relevance to what we're talking about. I'm reading a, a very thick book on Winston Churchill. 
I, yeah, I, I love history and it's interesting how you can look back on history and we can almost predict where things are going with the conditions that we are in now by looking at history. And Churchill was right in the thick of it in World War I and the beginning of World War II and you know, all kinds of things are aligning and it just, he, the, the experiences that he went through as a speaker, give, I mean, he, he delivered lots of speeches. I mean, you, you 60, 80, 100 speeches a year he was giving. And that was not an easy feat back then. There was no virtual live back then. <laughs> so that, that took a lot, of, uh, a lot of stamina for someone to do that and to also be in the political world. And you can learn a lot from that by learning about that history and how he wound up changing his, his vocal approach and technique to, to attract the younger generation. As he got older, he had to talk in a different way so that younger people that were growing up could understand what he was saying and relate to him. So there, there's a lot of, uh, of parallel alignments with history and what we are doing with events and speaking today. Hmm. Yeah, it's so wise to be reading up on history. We can learn so much. Uh, is there anything that you have going on right now that you'd like to share with... Uh, the the lynchman nation here absolutely two things there is speakerspeakgroup.com that'll take you to my facebook group that's a great place to start whether you are organizing events whether you never plan to get on stage you still need to just learn how to communicate and present yourself so i strongly suggest that you come into that group a natural evolution of that group was what I call Speakers Speak Live. So you can go to speakerspeaklive.com where that's an event we conduct every single Wednesday for one hour. And it is a practice session for professional speakers to bring in 10 minutes of their material. And then we all critique the speech and practice introducing ourselves. And it's really fun. And it's the fastest hour of my entire week. So if you visit one of those two places and connect with me there, then I can introduce you to more things as time goes on, but that's a, a real good starter for everybody and, a, and a, an essential one for anybody in this business or who wants to be in this business. Yeah, yeah, great, great resources for people who wanna be speakers. Is there anywhere else that you'd wanna send them? Any uh, social media places that you're active? All of them. All of them. <laughs> but, you know, LinkedIn is probably the best one. You can just search for Marty Dickinson and that'll take you there. And then um, you can also just go to my main website, which is herenextyear.com, H-E-R-E-N-E-X-T-Y-E-A-R. And I just got tired of everybody asking if I was going to be around in six months. That was 25 years ago. <laughs> Basic sales, right? Eliminate the question. And you'll see lots of really extensive blog posts that I've personally written on a whole bunch of different topics related to events and speaking and writing, book writing. We do a lot of nonfiction book work as well. So yeah, something for everybody there. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'll link all of that up in the show notes for everyone who's listening. Uh, and Marty, I just want to take a moment to say thank you. This has been such a pleasure to chat with you today. Your experience is coming through. Like you have such a tenure of doing events and uh, that experience obviously uh, pays off that you're able to do things on the weekly uh, and not have uh, anxiety or stress over it and, and that you've been able to do such a 
a pivot over the past year, uh, year and a half, uh, to be able to do what you do uh, virtually in addition to in-person. And it's just impressive. And I appreciate you sharing all this wisdom with, uh, with our listeners. You're welcome. And it is fun. That's the key is that if you're not having fun at this, after you've done this kind of work a few times, it might not be for you because it should be fun. You're going to be spending a lot more time at this than you ever imagined. But if you're having fun at it, that doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> it's very key. I totally agree. It has to be fun. Otherwise, don't do it. <laughs> Thank you, Marty. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Green Room Central podcast. If you love this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram. Be sure to tag at Sarah Faefer and let me know why you like this episode and what you'd like to hear or who you'd like to hear from in the future. That'll help me know what to create for you. Also, I've been hearing a lot of business owners say that people are tired of virtual events and that's just not true which is why I created a brand new five-day challenge called the Virtual Event Lab. I wanna show you how to make your next virtual event profitable, engaging, and most importantly, how to make it happen. And the best part is this five-day challenge is absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.greenroomcentral.com and we can get started today. On average, I spend about an hour a day reading every month of every year. If you love learning on the go as much as I do, I want you to go to greenroomcentral.com right now and get your link for a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of Audible, my audiobook platform of choice and a sponsor of today's podcast. Try a book by Winston Churchill like Marty or one of my favorites at this time of year, There's No Plan B for Your A-Game by Bo Eason. I appreciate your commitment to leveling up and learning the mindset and strategy of live events. Keep going, keep learning. And if you want to learn more, head over to greenroomcentral.com for show notes and all the links from today's episode. 